Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Smushpod Royale. Our business and your people get killed. We both know that. Then, when this mission is over, I will kill you. Within minutes. New York and Moscow will cease to exist. He has Anya on there. I know, James. I'm sorry. I have to get her off. How? British agent in love with the Russian agent. Your time's running out, Stromberg. Yours too, Mr. Bond. Yours too. It's the biggest. It's the best. It's Bond. And beyond. Hello and welcome to Smirch Pod Royale, a podcast celebrating all the Bond films by those who enjoy, hate, or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. This week, one of our submarines is missing, and we're working together with a triple X agent to find out exactly who stole all the semen. Yes, it's the spy who loved me. And joining me to get our teeth into the mystery is comedian, actor, and medium... Paul Litchfield. Hello, Paul. <laughs> Hello, John. How are you? I'm very well. I can't believe I'm going to talk about my second favourite James Bond film. Isn't it exciting? I love Spy Love Me. It's perfect. I love it so much. I think it's perfect Roger Moore. Mm. Perfect Roger. I think he was really happy when he made this as well. Yeah, I think he says it's his favourite one. Also. I think he said it was his favourite one to do, yeah. Mm. So I'm really happy that, that, that Roger was happy doing it. Yeah. And I, I thought we might, because um, I thought we might try, because you, as you know, I am an internationally renowned psychic. Yes. And once, a few years ago, I managed to summon the uh, wonderful disembodied spirit of uh, Terry Wogan. Oh, yes, um, that's right, yes. Who spoke to us about, um, without a clue, without didn't he? Without a clue, yeah. 
And um, I've had a lot of time during lockdown to try and hone my skills and target very specific people. Mm. And I just thought, why don't we get James Bond himself? Oh, Wouldn't that be amazing if we could get Roger to talk about his own film? That would be incredible if you could... Master I mean, I can try. I tried it this morning, and I got Lazenby, and oh. that just and that was horrible. I just couldn't shake him off, and he ended up, um, you know, making a bloody goulash with me. And but he kept chipping in like, "Oh, this is how I do it, mate." And I was like, "No, you said, no." That's been harrowing for him because he's not dead. No, exactly. Well, that was that's what he kept on going on about. Um, <laughs> why am I here? What are you making? Yeah. Show me the ingredients. And then he was all, but, oh, you're using, you're not using cup sizes and uh, for, 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 you know, I'm using imperial measurements. And I was mm. like, yes, I am. This mm. is England, George. Yeah. And he was whinging about that. And then eventually I managed to vanquish him. And then I had sort of like half an hour John Belushi and I had to go outside. It was just, ugh. Yeah. But um, I've been, I've been, I've been thinking about um, Roger um, since I knew we were going to be doing this today. And mm. um, um, I've, I tentatively went out with my mind and I think, I think I've got him. Okay. Uh, I've got positive vibes coming back from him. And um, I ate a ham hock terrine for lunch, which I knew was one of his favourites. Oh, one of his favourites, yeah. Yeah, so I reckon we'll, we'll be able to get him. I mean, I don't know uh, what what he remembers about um, Spy Love Me or how amicable he is, but I think he's a pretty good egg, isn't he? Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I'm looking okay. forward to meeting him if it works. Okay, well, um, shall, I, shall I try and get him now? Yes, please. Okay. Um <sighs> Roger, are you there, love? <laughs> ah, yeah, hang on, hang on. Oh. I think he's coming through. <laughs> Why, hello. <gasps> Sir Roger Moore. Uh, hello. Hello, Roger, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Who's this? Uh, my name's John Rain. I'm the host of the podcast Smash Pod. Oh, I listen from up in heaven. I have Do to say, you... I absolutely love the show. Oh, thank you, Roger. That's amazing. You're more than welcome. Wow. So, so how is it up there? Ah, you know, it's a uh, double O heaven. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm a bit lost for words because I've always wanted to meet you. Well, I tell you what. I uh, I uh, remember a lot of uh, hijinks and fun when we were doing uh, Spy Love Me. Oh, um, wow. I w- would you believe it? I was fifty years old at the time. Wow. Yeah, so I wasn't quite in the uh, back girdle and the brace no. department, <laughs> and all my hair was my own. Mm, of um, course, but it but, but uh, wonderful, wonderful fun. The, yeah, the, the the whole experience from Sardinia to Scotland, from Luxor to London, mm. we had we had a wonderful time. Um, is there anything particularly that sticks out in your mind? I I do remember my my most abiding memories of Spy Love Me was shingles, food poisoning, and uh, a singed anus. Singed anus. Yes, and we'll get to that bit a bit later. Oh, I look forward to hearing about that. Wonderful. Now I believe you sort of go through the movie as it's happening, and I I sort of chip in. Ad yes. Hoc. Is that okay? Wonderful. Why don't you take it away? Okay. Well, we we open with the a new gun barrel. Which First time exciting. used, I believe. Yeah, we, you're wearing a. Wonderful set of flares. Wonderful flares in the 70s. And mm. you, you, you must remember this was 1977. Mm. So flares were very much de rigueur. Would you believe this, Roger? That was the year I was born. Get away with you. No, it's true. Ooh, young whippersnapper. Mm. Um, how did you feel about them using the flares gun barrel for the rest of your tenure, even though you finished in 1985? I didn't really have much say, I have to say, uh, mm. when it came to such uh, decisions. I, uh, as I got more comfortable with Bond, 
um, my take on Bond. Mm. I used to chip in with suggestions, but Cubby quite often used to say, no, 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 I'm afraid it's not up to you. Mm. Um, there are a few ad libs that made it into this film and, and in other subsequent films. Mm. But um, as, as, as you know, when I wasn't doing Bond, I was doing a lot of things. So uh, Bond was very important to me at the time. But sure. in between, I couldn't care less. I was, I was doing other wonderful things. So these flares are quite big, though. How are they to wear? I mean, they look like... They are a nightmare to wear, especially in high wind. Mm. Um, there were times where I had to have paperweights sewn into the bottom so that I wouldn't drift over the dunes. Yes, is it true that when you were filming in Sardinia, there was a quite a high breeze and you were actually blown into Switzerland? <laughs> yes, I'm afraid that did happen on, on numerous occasions, um, mm. which is why um, I always had my passport details stitched into my suit. That's a good idea. In, ca in, in case Interpol were asking questions. Mm. Yes. And um, presumably when you were finished being blown away, there was quite a gap in there to get some air to land safely. Well, yes, you could often use them as as a sort of rudimentary parachute, mm. um, and that, and quite uh, you know quite often I would land at sea, mm. um, but because Bond is a naval commander, I was perfectly at home. Good. Well, talking of sea, yes, we begin the film where a British nuclear submarine, yes, uh, is um is is, go is is basically gobbled up. Yes, gobbled up by a big tanker. Big bag tanker. Mm. And then a Russian nuclear submarine is also gobbled up. Yes, yeah, so uh, so you immediately know that there are many, many nations at peril at this point. Mm. And so General Gogol of the KGB. Wonderful uh, actor. Wonderful, wonderful actor. actor. Wonderful man. Rather good at Parcheesi. Oh, really? I, I'll tell you that. We used to play a lot offset. Mm. And uh, I, I remember once we played strip Parcheesi. Mm. And uh, after a few rum and cokes at the bar and um that that actually got a little bit too revealing uh, all, all i'll say is is that man has birthmarks that uh one should not talk about sure sure okay well he, he calls his agent triple x mm. um who is in bed with her lover now that's poor old michael billington mm. now michael i don't know if you're aware but he he thought at one point he might get a pop-up bond yeah he had many screen tests he had screen tests, but Cubby Broccoli um, uh, realised quite early on that actually he was even hairier than Connery. Yes, and um, yeah, and said he actually said to me in private that he looks like that he actually looked like Chewbacca's taint, and um, decided that they weren't going to use him, especially during water scenes because mm. he basically looked like a bag of wool. So he didn't make it, I'm afraid, and he got rather short billing in this film, and I think there was a little bit of animosity there. Mm. But luckily, I wasn't on set at the time, so um, our paths didn't cross. Well, he um, hands the phone over to Triple X. So it's a bit of a kind of, ooh, it's, a, it's not him. It's the lady who's the agent. Barbara Back. Now, yeah. that was a beautiful woman. Mm. A beautiful, beautiful woman. And she was an absolute joy to work with, I will have to say. Um, again, a little bit of animosity when we first met. I didn't know this because um, uh, we have a second home in Monte Carlo. And Barbara was actually our neighbour. Um, although I hadn't met her at that point. And uh, unfortunately, there was a little bit of a contretemps um, as uh, my wife had planted some yam trees in the uh, corner of our property, right. which overhang onto her property. And some of our yams were ripening and falling into a koi carp pond. And the koi carp were eating them and poisoned and uh, were dying. And um, she wrote a letter to the... To, to the Monaco government and we had to pay a fine. And there's a little bit of animosity there. Hmm. But we invited them round to dinner and then, and then after that we sorted it all out. I, I, be I believe we did take down the yam tree in hmm. the end. Hmm. Um, 
so there's a tiny bit of animosity on that part, but um, mostly I have to say it was between Barbara and my wife. Um, sure. Yeah. You, you didn't fancy get back? What do you mean? No, sorry. Um, she later married Ringo Starr, of course. She did indeed, yes. yes. Any... I, I believe that was because she'd, um, she, ha she actually had what is now known by doctors as a tin ear. Um, <laughs> so um, she, was, she actually became did, pretty much became deaf as a post towards mm. the end. So she didn't have to hear what he was doing. Was there any animosity there? Because I believe you were originally set to do Thomas the Tank Engine. I was originally going to do all the voices for Thomas the Tank Engine, mm. um, and then Ringo scuppered me at the last minute. Mm. Um, uh, I almost got the job as the fat controller, mm -hmm. uh, but then I just went, do you know what, Ringo, I'll leave it to you. Um, and, and I was very busy at the moment. You know, then I was doing adverts for the post office. And, mm. uh, my work at UNICEF had taken over. Of um, course. And, of course, my daughter was um, doing very well doing adverts for Scottish Windows. That's right, yeah. They were very good windows. Wonderful windows. Mm. So, <clears throat> meanwhile, M asks where Bond is, and apparently he's on a mission in Austria. That's so, right. So M orders you to pull out. Wonderful, wonderful quip there. Because mm, you yes, are... I, I'm in bed with a wonderful, mm. beautiful woman, all in furs. Mm. In front of an open fire. Wonderful stuff. And that's mm. perfect Bond, isn't it? Yeah, and then you get a message printed out on a diner label from your Seiko yes, watch. One of... One of Q's gadgets. Mm. Now, I believe you've got some rather interesting theories about uh, Desmond Llewellyn and his um, rather pudgy fingers. Is that right? Yes, he has. He, he unfortunately was cursed with um, large fingers. That's absolutely... Do you know what? I, I, I didn't notice um, until I started listening to Smirch Pods up in oh. heaven. And um, you're absolutely right. They look a little bit like a ring of Cumberland sausages in a, in a rucksack. <laughs> Don't they? I, do. I will tell you this. I know for a fact that Desmond uh, was a member of the Masonic Lodge and he used to have his ring widened every two years. <laughs> so I'll just say that. So That's I an interesting your theory. Fact. I think your theory about his pudgy fingers actually uh, may be right. Mm, well, the, the lady you're romancing asks where he's going. Yes. Where you're going. And you say that something came up. Something came up. And she, of course, turns out to be a rotter. She's yeah. a spy. Yeah. She alerts the uh, rather alarming henchmen on their skis to uh, give chase. Well, this is a good bit because we get... The composer of this film was Marvin Hamlish. Marvin Hamlish, wonderful, wonderful composer. Did mm. some of the best music ever to James Bond, I believe. I'm, mm. no, I'm never going to poo-poo John Barry. No. But um, again, I believe that Hamlish's music um, pretty much suited my Bond. A bit more playful, mm. a bit more fun. Well, we get Bond 77. which is a... That's a beautiful piece of work, isn't it? Mm. It makes me think of you having some disco dancing while that's happening. Yeah, well, I, I, I've, I've disco danced with the best of them. Um, in fact, I seem to remember I did a 24-hour disco telethon once. Did you? For, um, yes. Um, it was in aid of workers who were being uh, knocked unconscious or receiving concussion whilst grabbing coconuts. Um, and we decided to raise some money for them because they were oh, getting really? no financial help down in the Maldives. And mm. I was holidaying there at the time. And it was me and uh, Barbara Woodhouse <laughs> and uh, Russ Abbott. Wow, and we, and we did a twenty-four hour dance-a-thon. Disco dance. It was dance. a lot of fun. Yes, yeah. all disco dancing. Wow, um, and we even did that wonderful thing where you go underneath the pole. Um, oh yeah, limbo. Limbo. That was great. Mm. Of course, poor old Barbara was so small she could just walk under. Um, but a, lo a, a lot of fun, and yeah. I, I believe we helped a lot of coconut workers. How much did you raise, if you don't mind me asking? 
Uh, I don't know what the uh, conversion rate was back then, but I think it was around uh, $900. Wow, that's a lot of money for coconut workers. Absolutely, yes, yes, yes. Well, you actually got most of them wearing hard hats, mm. which um, really helped with their with the way they plied their trade. I'd like to ask you a question, if you don't mind, about Please do. a, Please a, do. A, a man named Willie Bogner. Ah, Willie, yes. Mm. Now, he obviously shot all the ski sequences, and he was very adept at filming while going backwards, which made your stunt performer life a lot easier, obviously. Absolutely, yes, yes. Um, that, that, I believe that's the best opening Bond sequence there is. Yes, no, I agree. Because I remember when we went to the premiere um, and I was on a press junket in Japan and uh, the moment where I career off the cliff and you think that's the end for Bond mm. and there's that wonderful gap and then suddenly the parachute unfurls the Union Jack. Um, mm. The people were standing... And, Cheering, cheering to the rafters. Mm. And, how did and I, make... I think it's iconic. Oh, it is. How did it make you feel? It made me very proud. Uh, 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 there was a little joke. Uh, the stuntman who did, who did that originally um, uh, used a different parachute because we, 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 we didn't want to risk the uh, Union Jack parachute um, having a rip or a tear during mm. the actual take. So he used a different parachute. And unbeknownst to him, um, the parachute that... Um, he used um, uh, was essentially um, a sort of picture of Oswald Mosley, um, which caused a lot of consternation. I'm sure. And, sure. Uh, but he eventually saw he saw the funny side because uh, uh, apparently the stuntman came from a long line of absolute fascists. Right. Sure. So we just thought that was rather funny. Yeah. Yeah. You filmed that at Mount Asgard in Canada. That's the that's the place. Yeah. Yes. Um, of course, I wasn't there. No, of course it was. Uh, no. A guy called Rick Sylvester. That's the fellow. Yeah. No, he did, he did a great job. So then the opening titles come. And now you're in these titles quite a bit. So I, I, I actually insisted on being in these titles. Mm. Um, and they are, I think, to date, possibly the sauciest titles. Oh, yes, um, absolutely. To, to actually open a Bond. Now, they're all done by the wonderful Morris Binder. Mm-hmm. Um, who um, he had a devil of a time actually uh, when we were doing these title sequences because the, the women are absolutely naked, um, and he spent a lot of time applying, uh, basically, and 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 uh, I'll tell you what this is a little stock trick that you probably don't know, but mm. the the women there um, had to shave pretty closely around their nether regions, mm. and then had to have actually Morris put you know, Vaseline on their nether regions, so no stray pubic hairs would actually go into the shot. Mm. So all the women there are absolutely, you know, a vaseline up, and then I'm there. And I actually said, I don't mind going naked as well. Mm. And they said, no, no, Roger, we can't have that f- flapping around in silhouette on the screen. But we did actually record um, an alternative opening because uh, um, James Bond back in 1977 was um, had quite a large gay audience mm. and um, was becoming very very popular so we thought why don't we give the um, gay audience an alternative Spy Love Me opening where it was just men mm. um, and so it was me Desmond mm-hmm. um, and Cubby mm. and we stripped off and we did we basically recreated that sequence right. um, and while and they used a little bit of um, sellotape for our John Thomases so mm. they could go against our legs because else us Leaping around doing squat thrusts and star jumps was rather off-putting, I believe. Sure. Now, is it true that there was a rumor at the time? I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm 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 so pleased you're here because I can ask you. 
Yes. Um, there was a uh, technician working on the opening titles by oh. the name of um, Don Hong Kong. <laughs> right. Yeah. There was a rumour that Don uh, got his head stuck in a monkey. Right. Well, um, I believe I devote a chapter uh, about that very instant in my book, My Word is My Bond. That's right, yeah. But, yes, but it was all in italic, so I didn't know who was true. Yes, that, and also that's the only bit of the book that was ghost-written for mm. me. Um, I, uh, because um, sometimes my mind um, doesn't quite recall the exact events. Um, so uh, I, I don't mind admitting it now. But mm. um, a lot of my word is my bond was actually ghost written by uh, Rusty Lee. Oh wow! Who is the who is the Caribbean chef? But yes. she's an absolutely terrific writer mm. and a, a really really lovely old family friend. Mm. Yes, but and of course you get the theme tune as well, don't you? Oh yeah, nobody does it better. Yes, Carly Simon, of course, mm. sang it beautifully. But did you know that she actually only came in pretty much as a last-minute replacement? Oh, I didn't, no. Yes, it was originally going to be done by the Bay City Rollers. Wow. Um, uh, but they pulled out of it due to touring commitments. Mm. And then I believe it was briefly placed in the hands of uh, Manhattan Transfer. Wow. Um, who had a bash at it. But uh, apparently it was rather too heavy on the Brazilian bongos. Mm, yeah. So um, it was given to Carly. Well, it's a delicate piece. You don't want to, you know, don't want to overdo it. I believe it sets up the film admirably. Mm. Um, scantily clad. It's all rather, dare I say, erotic and rather playful. Well, talking of erotic, um, this film's written by Christopher Wood, who was the author and screenwriter of The Confessions. Of, of The Confession films, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I believe we really sort of gave that a little sprinkling of The Confessions dust into the film, mm. well, which is very my bond. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, so after the credits have passed, we see General Gogol again yes. in, in his office, and um, he tells Triple X they'll need her to go to Cairo to investigate a lead on the missing submarine. Absolutely. And then drops the sad news that you, as James Bond, while you were having the ski chase... Sad, I'm afraid I killed him, yes. Yeah, you killed Sergei Barsov, Michael Billington. Well, that, that of course, was Bond's job. Mm. And um, uh, my Bond never instigated, uh, uh, you know, violence. He just solved violence. Mm. Um, I believe that's quite an important thing. I was very insistent with that with, with Cubby. We, we had real problems a few films later where I had to tip a man over a cliff, and I really didn't like the idea of that. That mm. wasn't my Bond. No. So then, of course, we get the beautiful sight, if you don't yes. mind me saying so, of you stepping out yeah. of a helicopter... In Looking the, resplendent. The full naval uniform. Wonderful stuff. Commander Bond. Mm. Um, always love seeing Bond in the naval uniform. Doesn't happen enough. No. But what's no, your What's your opinion of the latest ones? Have you seen the last couple in heaven? I think they're rather dreary. Oh. Um, I I think Daniel Craig is a wonderful actor, and he's got the physique of Bond, mm. um, and he's got the demeanour of Bond, but he's got none of the. None of the joyous trappings of Bond. Um, I, and I believe there's a Bond for every era. But um, this era that Daniel Craig uh, seems to represent is, is, a, is a rather sort of depressed Bond, mm. um, who's rather at odds of who he is, um, which I believe is not the escapism that the audience wishes with Bond. No, Bond sure. is all about fun. Mm. And I believe uh, I, I rang out as much fun as I could from the Bond lemon, um, whereas others took a completely different fruit to the role. Mm. What fruit did you think Daniel Craig had? Uh, I would say a sort of gone-off potato. Gone-off potato, okay. Yes. Well, could you mind me asking while I've got you here? Um, no, of course. What, what, what sort of things did you do for fun? Did you have any hobbies? 
uh, I, I, I pretty much used to ingratiate myself with the locals. So wherever we filmed, I just, I just completely got involved. Mm. Uh, so I had a lot of fun. But hence, I kept getting, uh, kept having accents. I mean, by the time I'd finished Spy Love Me, I'd actually come down with shingles. Right, yeah. um, which was very, 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 very painful. Mm. And uh, we also got food poisoning when we were filming in Luxor. Mm. Um, and that's entirely down to Cubby, I have to say. He, um, we were getting a bit fed up with the local fare, and Cubby decided to make an Italian meal for us all. Mm. But the uh, canned tomatoes that he'd had shipped in from Cairo, I'm afraid, had gone off. Mm. And um, uh, obviously he disguised the sauce with... Um, probably a lot of Tabasco and uh, oregano. Um, uh, but but the next day, it was coming out both ends, and that was myself, cast, and crew. Mm. There's a wonderful outtake of uh, poor old Richard Keel, and, uh, who actually projectile vomits through his, through his metal teeth. Yeah. You can see bits of pasta dangling there. Oh, I, mean, we all, I mean, it was an absolute hoot at the time, but mm. um, he, he was very angry. I bet he was. Yeah, so we all had food poisoning. Um, and then, of course, a little bit later, and I'll talk about that when we get to it in chronological order, is 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 when I have my anus severely singed. <laughs> well, I've written that down. We'll definitely talk about that. You no, know, of course, yes. Yeah. It's an S-Pod thing. The podcast revisiting S-Club 7's insane TV show. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone's binge-watched this. Anyone who's not on drugs. <laughs> Thank you for bringing this into my life. Uh, it was honestly, <laughs> truly appalling. Guests help me analyse the show in more detail than anyone ever asked for. It feels weird to me to say the phrase sex object in a show that <laughs> was aimed at six-year-olds. Do you think, do you think there's a, one of the problems with this show is that seven is too much? It's an S-Pod thing from Great Big Owl. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So you, you then uh, you meet Captain Benson, played by the lovely George Baker. Wonderful man, wonderful actor. Inspector Wexford. Yes, and um, we used to have a lot of fun down at the Coach and Horses mm. uh, in central London. Mm. And uh, we often used to drink the bar dry. Mm. Wonderful fun. Mm. L- wonderful man. Yes, no, absolutely. So then you, you, you're debriefed, you're shown the very overly complicated Polaris operating authority computer. 
Yes, that's all the techno babble, and I have to I have to say I never really paid much attention to all that. I just I just did what I was told. Mm. I was I was far more interested in in the in the knowing looks of the camera, the cheeky quips. Um, I was really trying to make Bond my own at this point. Yes, um, and so the techno stuff I, I I never really I I never really paid paid attention to. Did you like techno music? Uh, I don't even know what techno music is even now. Do they have like um, clubs in heaven? You know. Do you... Yes, yes. We have a Contiki bar mm. that I go to very regularly um, and have a lot of fun there. Um, and um, uh, the, the thing at the moment um, is um, is sort of hard, angry rock versions of classical music. Mm. So we do a sort of like a Beethoven's Ninth, but we do it in six minutes of sort of heavy thrash metal. Okay. And that's a lot of fun. So you're into thrash metal? I love thrash metal. Oh, I've never, I've never yeah. thought that. No, well, I, it, it's it's something that I've just grown to love. Mm. Um, I tell you who got who got me onto it. Mm. Um, Sister Wendy. Sister Wendy. Sister Wendy was a massive fan of thrash metal. Um, I think her favourite song was "Skin the Pope." Skin the Pope. heard that. Yeah, no, skin, no. Skin, it, it, I'll, I'll actually do a rendition. Please. It, it, it goes like this: "Skin the Pope, skin 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 the Pope," and that's it. Wow, she and she used to like that because you know it was rather cheeky and she wasn't supposed to like it, and that's mm. the exact reason why she did. So, did you meet her in heaven, or did you know her before? Um, I met her on the way up. Mm. Yes, unfortunately, she was going the other way. Um, oh. um, and and then about two weeks later, she was back again. So it must have been a blip. Admin error, maybe. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Benson shows everyone the tracking data from the computers, showing yes. the last course of the missing submarine, and you. Bring out an acetate chart. Wonderful, um, isn't it? Showing that had never been seen at that point. What acetate? No. Wow. Wow. Uh, but your you, your chart shows the Russians also had the data, which means they can track British submarines and sink them. And the room is. <gasps> uh, the room is a gog. Oh. Yes, absolutely. So now we know there's a sort of third party at work here. Oh. Um, and it, it's uh, this is the. Uh, hot mitten that's gone into the uh, muff of the Cold War, mm. let's say. And uh, we don't quite yet know whose hand is in that mitten, in the muff. No. And um, you're going to find out a little bit later that the hand uh, is, is a rather ghastly one, actually. Well, we find out because, in a moment, don't we? Yeah. Yes, we do, because um, poor old Carl, he mm. suffered from an affliction. Yes, he's got flippers. He had, well, yes, he had, he had a, he had a webbed hand. Mm. Well, hands, uh, I should say, plural. Mm. Probably good um, for baseball, a, though. Yes, yes, yes. I suppose he had his own catcher's mitt, as mm. it were. Um, he's the only man I know that could um, uh, eat his breakfast from his own hands. He, he could have a bowl of cereal. Um, I often saw him on set with a bowl of shreddies cupped in his hand. Um, I think he once attempted it with soup, but um, obviously it burnt him, and he had nowhere to put the croutons. <laughs> um, but yes, he, he, did, he did have a gift. Um, you know, and uh, once those hands knitted together, they were, they were airtight. Hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I believe it was a family uh, problem. I believe his mother had uh, webbed feet, mm. which is why she was such a good swimmer. Of course. Well, he likes the yeah. water, doesn't he? Absolutely. Yes, yes. I have to say, um, Carl was absolutely wonderful. Mm. Um, I thought he was a wonderful villain mm. because his villainy is... Um, I don't want to um, a analyse it too much, but his villain is absolutely daft as a brush yes and his idea is daft as a brush as well um basically wants to 
destroy the world and live underwater. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Jürgens is the... Jürgens, yes, mm. yes. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt was a wonderful man. Mm. Um, and this was the first time that we'd actually steered away from an Ian Fleming book. We took the title, but this is the first time The Spy Loved Me where, we saw, uh, where the plot was made up, mm. um, which, which may be a little bit telling because it is a little bit silly, but I still think it's absolutely perfect Bond canon. Um, the idea, I believe, was... Um, concocted when um, some of Jacques Cousteau's diaries were unearthed. Right. And um, the, the famous oceanographer and filmmaker. Mm. And it, it, it turned out that that was Jacques's plan. Um, he wanted, um, basically wanted the world to burn mm. and uh, want, wanted to live underwater in some sort of giant beaver dam, I believe. Mm. Um, yes. Um, apparently he was quite the old man. And really, that's why he spent so much time down there scouting for locations hmm. of, of places to live. And, and if he had his way, and he, and he did have a lot of money, especially scientific grants, he, he really wanted to start nuclear war and um, spend the rest of his time underwater. Um, I think things came a cropper when he was caught in London Zoo, and um, I think he was caught making a glory hoe for the penguins. Um, so um, I, I believe he served time then. Uh, but that's, right. that's, where the idea, that's where the idea came from. Because mm. yes. at this point, uh, Carl Stromberg sat at his table eating some lobster uh, with his mistress. Uh, when Beckman and Markovitz come in, yes, uh, he congratulates them on their submarine tracking device, but tells them that someone has been attempting to sell the plans to competing world powers. Absolutely. So there's a little bit of plot now uh, oh. being sewn in, and you get the and you you'll get an idea now of how sinister. Jürgens is. Um, I believe he's one of the more sinister Bond uh, Bond villains, actually, mm. uh, because because everything he does is out of revenge and spite. Yeah, um, he'll he'll just casually kill someone in a slightly elaborate way, just because he's bored. Well, he does here. He kills his mistress because it turns out it's her. Absolutely. And he dumps her into a shark pool. Yes, I was never fond of when um, uh, women were killed in the James Bonds. Mm. I always believe it should have been the men. Mm. Um, but there you go. Um, but it, it did suit his character rather well. Yes. And and it's a perfect Bond moment. The uh, drop lift into the pool, the serene music playing whilst mm. the shark casually eats her. Rather good fun, I thought. Wouldn't you prefer if he'd had more, like, giant mutated crabs or something? Um, uh, possibly. Uh, um, I always thought um, we could do something with electric eels. Mm. Oh, that could have been fun. Um Maybe there could have been a funny moment where someone falls into the pool and because it's electric eels, they get an afro. <laughs> um, but apparently that was poo-pooed early on. Mm. Um, and then, of course, we had the, we had the joke with Jaws um, because we had Richard Keel as well. So the shark and the Jaws con connotation just really worked. Yes. Um, so after killing yes. his mistress, he sends away Beckman and Markovitz with all their lovely money in a helicopter. Yes. And then oh. he blows them up. Yeah. Yes. Isn't that wonderful? Um, yeah. So he's such a villain. He's got exactly what he wanted, and then he doesn't want to pay them, so he just kills them. Yeah. Um, you know, without so much as a buy or leave. I can hear your pen quite loudly, by the way. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. Yes, That's all right. I, I, I'm just doing a Sudoku. <laughs> well, I was just crossing one out actually because I don't understand what they are. But I'll, I'll try and keep my penmanship to a minimum. Thank you, Sir Roger. No, you're welcome. Um, so then he calls in his two henchmen. So he got Jaws and Sandor. Yes, now Sandor was a bit of a mistake, really, because he mm. just looked like a sort of cheap, you know, wrestler from the East End. Mm. But he was actually a professional wrestler mm. in in real life. His death scene is rather good fun, I believe. Mm. 
Um, it's a really nice bit of work there. They're hanging onto the tie. Yes. And then uh, Bond lets him slip. Mm. Wonderful. Yes. So in Cairo. Uh, Cairo was wonderful fun. Mm, you arrive dressed as Lawrence of Arabia. Yes, and we and we even use the theme. Mm. As, uh, there's a wonderful shot later on uh, where it's myself and Barbara were walking across the dunes, and uh, there's a couple of shots where I drop my trousers for a bit of fun. Did you? Yeah, but they don't oh. keep that in the film, obviously. Although it would have been the sort of thing that my Bond could have done. Mm. Yes. Yeah. You know, I could. I uh, there was a wonderful bit where I bent over and showed Barbara my hieroglyphics, but they said no, that that doesn't quite work. I thought it was rather funny. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you go and meet your friend uh, Sheik Hussein, who you knew yes. at Cambridge. That's right, yes. And he tells them that you need to go and speak to a man called Max Calver. Max Calver, yes. Mm. Um, and, but first, you have to meet a guy called Fekesh at his apartment in Cairo. Oh, wonderful. And, of course, we don't do the joke of Fekesh off, no. which, which, again, we, we should have done. And the no doorbells joke. That would have been a good one. That would have been wonderful, wouldn't it? Mm. Um, but first, he says, you know, you've travelled a long way. Why don't you stay? Yes. And you say one of my favourite lines. Uh, go on. When one is in Egypt, one should delve deeply into its treasures. That's right. Mm. Wonderful. There are a couple of ad-libs I did. Um, um, uh, I think there's one where I said, can I fuck that one? And they went, no, no, Roger. And I went, no, you're absolutely right. That's, that's far too coarse. Mm. Um, yes. And then it was one where I sort of like looked into camera with my tongue hanging out like a sort of rabid dog, mm. sort of four. But mm. um, they went, no, no, that's not Bond. So no. it was all it was all subtle, really, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you go to Fekish's apartment. You are met by Felicia, yeah, yeah, Felicia. And all the time you're being watched by Sandor. Absolutely. I'll tell you something about Felicia because we had to mm. kiss in that in, uh, rather briefly. Mm. In that, mm. and uh, unbeknownst to me, uh, she had a condition which is known as a dead tooth. Right, that's when the um, the tooth has rotted from the inside down to the gum line. Um, um, uh, the nerves had gone, but the stench that came out of that rotten dead tooth was quite overpowering. I have to tell you. Really? Yeah. There's a couple of scenes where I was physically gagging when I had to kiss her. Oh, okay. um, and um, I believe um, I came on set and I gave her at least a litre of mouthwash and just said, I, I, I'm, I'm not going anywhere near you until you uh, deal, deal with that tooth. Mm. But um, she couldn't get good dental work in Cairo at the time, so um, she often used to eat her lunch by herself and quite mm. often da- downwind of us, thank God. Thank God for that. Yes. Um, but then Sandor shoots and Felicia unfortunately jumps in, well, fortunately, jumps in front of you. Yes, and I, I was rather glad that that happened because I, I have been known sometimes to use uh, you know women as human shields, which again is is, is not something that I believe Bond would do. But mm. um, in this case, she actually yes, she 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 sort of takes a bullet for Bond. And then you have a fight with Sandra on the roof, as you mentioned before. With the... yeah, that took three days to film. Did it? Th- three days to film. Yes, um, and um, the stunt guy who was um, filling in for Sandra, who had to fall, um, was absolutely scared of heights. Mm. <laughs> Wonderful. And then, obviously, you find out that um, Fekesh is at the pyramids. Now, a lot of the pyramid stuff is actually not filmed there. We actually had to film that on, on, on a set mm-hmm. back in Pinewood, um, strange enough, because when we were there filming in, in, in Egypt, I don't know if you know, but we had the Egyptian authorities following our every move, mm-hmm. making sure that we weren't doing anything that was against the uh, country or against the state or saying anything 
per, political, I should say. Hmm. Um, so, so we were we we were looked very closely because th there was an amazing shot, which unfortunately wasn't used in the end, where um, I'm hanging off the Sphinx nose, hmm. and I look like a bogey, like a Bond bogey. Hmm. And why didn't yeah. they be fanned? Uh, I Cubby said, um, "For fuck's sake, Roger, you look like a bogey." Mm. And and so that was cut immediately. Um, were you happy with that, or were you a bit annoyed? Or? Uh, I I was fine with it because I got some of my other quips in. So uh, mm. it was a case of try three or four things. Most of them won't take, and then get the actual thing that you want into the film. So sure. I I learned that pretty early on with Cubby, is bombard him with silly ideas, and then the real one that you want to use, that's the one that you'll get because he'll he'll just do that to placate you. Now, there's a bit here where you Fakesh sees Jaws, so he yes. runs off. Wonderful you, Richard Keel. The wonderful Richard Keel, yeah. Um, so you follow them, yes. and there's a bit here where um, they didn't get a shot of you. So they, ah, had, yes. to, they had to this paint is, a picture. This is the infamous, um, yes, the blown-up picture photo stroke artist rendition of me. Mm. Um which uh, again, there are two. There, I I did two versions. I um, I did one where I thought it'd be rather amusing if I was doing a sort of Bruce Forsyth pose, mm -hmm. um, like at the beginning of the Generation sure. game. Sure. Um, and there was another one which I thought maybe might ground bond, where um, I was just stood bolt upright, but I was giving the henchman the finger, um, which I thought would have rather been very effective. Yeah. But they went for one of me sort of casually crouched against a rock mm. and if you're listening um, on the on the the last leg you can use that again if you want to <laughs> um <clears throat> so yeah so jaws kills the cash yes and then you meet triple x and her sort of gang of men who you beat up quite easily yes uh, that and barbara is resplendent in this film isn't she she's mm. absolutely beautiful she's a genuinely beautiful wonderful woman yeah. of course she she had a sense of humor like a navi mm. It was F this and F that. Oh, really? And until she was on camera, and then she was all sweetness and light. Wow. Do you do you swear very often? Um, I occasionally say cunt. Right. What What's the occasion? Uh, often out of context. Normally when mm. I'm quite happy, which mm. gets me into a lot of problems. I'm sure. Um, so I'm, I used to be in wonderful restaurants. I I go to the Savoy, mm. and then I'd have a wonderful meal, and I'd just go, ah, oh, cunt. And they used to think, oh, there's something wrong. And I go, no, no, far from it. Actually, everything's right. <laughs> um, so I, um, apparently I was told I should keep my swearing in context. Um, right. So if I'm unhappy, say, say fuck or cunt. Mm. Not when I'm deliriously happy, because mm. apparently it will raise an eyebrow. Oh, that was what you were famous for, of course, Roger. Yes, I, 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 it got to a stage where I could raise my eyebrow um, or pretty much up to my hairline. Mm. Um and then um, uh, I, I, what I often used to do for fun is I had an auxiliary uh, third eyebrow that was on a piece of cat gut mm. that my wife used to thread through the house. And um, uh, sometimes I could sit there and I'd be doing a crossword and someone would come in the room and I'd raise the eyebrow and it would go up to the hairline and then she'd pull the cat gut and the eyebrow would come clean off my head and float above me. Wow. And we used to do, and we used to do that whenever you know workmen were there or people we didn't know. They used mm. to obviously have a wonderful anecdote to tell to their friends when they went to the pub. Mm. That's extraordinary. Of course, it did go badly wrong once. Um, really? Uh, yes, yes. The eyebrow was pulled too hard by my wife, mm. and um, it fell in, it fell onto a candle and then um, went up right. and uh, did did a lot of damage to the curtains actually, and mm. um, to a poor delivery guy who. Um, 
was trying to escape, but he had asthma and um, fell fell right through the French windows. Goodness. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, wow. So after that, we stopped. Of course. We stopped, yes. I, well, no, we carried on a bit. I used to make my eyebrow go lower, but that apparently was horrific. Mm. It, would, it, would, it would go past my eye, mm. downwards, past my nose and onto my chin, like some sort of, like, Hitler moustache that had slipped. Yeah. And um, it just didn't work because... Um, it was just odd. Mm. The, the, the Mahaba Club. Yes, wonderful music as well. Bum 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 Oh, I've got the deadly belly. I believe we used to sing that. Really? And then we were, and then we were told to be quiet because the Egyptian authorities were hanging around. Of course. Yeah, you know, that's I've got the Tommy squid, silly bloody bugger, having couscous in the morning. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But then we were told by Cubby, keep it down, because mm. we're being watched like sparrow hawks. Mm. Uh, but you meet Triple X here, and it turns out you both know everything about one another. Absolutely, yes. We've both mm. done our homework. We've uh, we both boned up on mm. each other. Well, not yet. <laughs> yeah. But you're no, there to no. obviously meet Max Kelber. Um, mm. And she knows all about your past and even mentions your dead wife. Absolutely, yes. Which is yes. a bit off, isn't it? Well, again, it's quite nice to occasionally ground bond. Mm. Um, so, you know, the mentioning of Tracy, mm-hmm. um, I believe, is quite important. Before you can get any kind of deal with Max, Jaws yes. murders him. Ah, yes, wonderful. Mm. Um, um, a lot of people um, were genuinely terrified of wonderful Richard Keel, but he was an absolute pussycat in real life. Was he really? Yeah, he was a wonderful, wonderful, kind man. Mm. Wonderful man. Any anecdotes about him? Uh, no, because as well as being wonderfully kind, he was actually wonderfully boring. Right. Um, and he was one of the dullest men that ever lived. Right. Um, and never said anything remotely amusing of worth, remembering. Um, sometimes we often forgot he was there. Right. But a dear, kind, lovely man. Right, good. Okay. But a terrible bore. Right. So as he drives away dressed as a telephone repairman, the tallest yes. telephone repairman in the world. Ever, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, I believe it's in the Guinness Book of Records. Absolutely. Yeah, um, you jump in the back of his van. I do. Yeah. Now, there's a bit of a continuity problem here because mm. um, he believes that I'm there mm. and does nothing about it as he drives across the entire country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We only realise that very much after uh, after the fact. Yeah, and I guess you'd um, already filmed it. So We'd already filmed that, I'm afraid, mm. so there's not much we could do about it. No. But... As I say, Bond is playful and fun, sometimes continuity be damned. Mm. But he drives you to Luxor and then just gets out of the van and walks off. That's right. And you think, oh, oh well, that's the end of him then. Mm. I, can, I can get on with spying and, you know, having sex with beautiful women and doing my mm. usual stuff. But then, of course, we have the fight. Mm. Wonderful fight sequence. Yeah, where Jaws, unfortunately, pulls the entire construction site down on himself. Yes, and then I got to do the ad lib, which mm. apparently I got a little bit of a stick for um, in years to come after. I, I just go, oh, Egyptian builders, mm. which I thought was rather funny. Mm. Um, I did do some alternative takes. I thought um, I actually did one where I went, oh, no, he needs his mummy, mm. which I thought was rather nice. Mm. And then the third one, I just went, prick. All right. Um, and they went, no, that's, that's not Bond. No, no, no. That's not, your yeah. Bond wouldn't do that. No, my bomb wouldn't do that. So they kept Egyptian um, Egyptian builders. Couldn't you have said something like another luxurious building ruined? Quite possibly, yes. There were many, everyone, I think at that stage, the cameramen were lobbing in their thoughts. Cubby mm. had some ideas of his own. 
Barbara was um, throwing in her ideas. You know, Richard was saying nothing as bloody usual. Mm. Um, uh, so we we did at least twenty takes. Mm. Um, but it, it was Egyptian builders that made the edit. Of course. Well, it's the best one. I, I, I believe so. So then you get back to the van and Triple X is having trouble driving. Bloody women drivers. Yeah, that's, yes. what, that's pretty much what you say. While uh, Jaws is ripping the van to pieces and eventually you manage to get away. Yes. And I love that sequence, the way he rips the... Uh, literally, literally rips the roof off. It's mm. fantastic. Mm. And then, as you said earlier, you walk through the desert and the Lawrence of Arabia theme plays. Yes, that's when I kept dropping my pants at that point. Yeah. Uh, because it was a very, very <clears throat> hot set, mm. um, especially filming in Egypt and Luxor, um, Cairo, etc. And, of course, it was terribly hot. Mm. So anything to just alleviate um, the tension at times, mm. uh, you know, we would often... There were many, many larking around. Mm. Larking around. We, uh, we had a thing called... Um, which is in my book, My Word is My Bond. Uh, and it's called, it's actually called the uh, Wanker Tapes. Huh? Um, and that's when we, basically at the end of the uh, run, we put together all the rushes of all the jokes and all the funny things that um, uh, we got up to. And we just play them. And it, it stays on set. It doesn't go anywhere Any else. Richard Keel in there? No, we made sure, actually, when we showed that, that um, he'd already got on the plane and gone home. Right. Um, no, we didn't really want him there, to be honest. Wonderful, wonderful man. Wonderful man. Mm. Dreadful bore. Mm. Dread, dreadful bore. So on the boat to Cairo. Yes, wonderful. A lovely romantic scene between mm. Bond and Barbara. A lovely tender Marvin Hamlish rendition of the theme. Beautiful theme, isn't it? Mm. Yes, absolutely. With yes. some saxophone. First time that Marvin toned it down. Mm. Yes, because, um, uh, you know, we're getting very close to when he goes full-on flugelhorn um, in, in, in For Your Eyes Only, where he, he gets a little bit out, out of control. Well, that's Bill Conti, of course, Roger. Oh, is it? Oh, I often mm. get both of them confused. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Um, so then you're about to kind of make a move on her, and she asks for a light for a cigarette and then blows smoke in your face. Wonderful, isn't it? And then um, she's used some sort of nerve gas mm. on me. And I thought it would be funny at that point to shit myself mm. because that's maybe what would have happened if the gas... You mean sort um, of loudly, audibly shit yourself? I, I, I um, Because of the way I fell unconscious, I turned my face away from the camera, but I was mic, so I did a sort of... <laughs> noise which I thought would be rather funny, as a sort of wonderful little funny, you know, tiny little... Tiny, <laughs> a tiny little edit point, as it were. I just thought nobody's ever heard Bond fart. And I just thought I should be the first Bond to do a fart. I thought it'd be funny sometimes to kill a henchman. Instead of doing a quip, I'd just fart on their head. You know, like pick them up and, and then walk off sh shot. And I just thought that might make people happy, but apparently Cubby insisted, no, no, you know. I, I, there was, I believe, in um, uh, a view to a kill. I wanted to do a piss on um, on poor Patrick McNee, but they vetoed that as well. Um, I just thought that would be a nice way to remember his character. You know, I believe he's called Tibbet. Yes, um, and and I find him dead in the boot, and I just thought it'd be quite funny if. Bond took his dick out and pissed on him. But again, they said, context, Roger, context. And I just went, okay, you're the boss, you're the boss. 
But I think it, I think Bond films would have been immeasurably funnier if 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 I got to fart hmm. on on henchmen. Sure. Yeah. You know, no, or no, even no. Fart, fart in their face. I mean, there are ample opportunities where I could have farted on Drax, and that would have been very funny in Moonraker. But they said no. And that's end of part one of this episode of Smirchpod. We'll be back later in the week with part two. So please stick around. But in the meantime, why not like, subscribe, review, enjoy, share, tell everybody you like. And, you know, why not even buy Thunderbook? Hey, why not? See you next time. And this is our new show, Extra Life. It's basically us talking to funny people about video games. When I was a kid, it was Grand Theft Auto. There's Sinclair ZX Spectrum. We talk about the games people remember from when they were kids and what they're playing now. Guitar Hero. The Last of Us 2. Combat on the Atari 2600. No, I love Pokemon. Anyway, find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Extra Life. GreatBigOwl.com When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.